to do a radical hysterectomy at 26. She had just been married six months at that time. And so it was like all of a sudden this kind of words and concepts and things were coming into my world that I never thought like um, surrogacy, right? I was my first thought at 19 to my older sister was, don't worry, I'll have a baby for you. Um, not really knowing what that meant at the time. Of course, this was, this was 1997. Um, and that it wasn't really a thing then. Um, so through that whole process, seeing her deal with hormones and early menopause at that time. And then in my twenties, I was working with a lot of women who were telling me who that were in their forties that were struggling to get pregnant saying, freeze your eggs. And I was like, what are you even talking about right now? You know, I'm building my career. I'm traveling the world. I had met my first husband at that point. Fast forward to age 30, I'd gotten divorced and went to go freeze my eggs. I went to the fertility doctor and said, you know, this is something I want to do. And he said, you're too young. Come back later. And I was like, what is there such a thing as being too young? Now they wouldn't really tell you that at, at this mm -hmm. time and point where we are now because technology has changed. So again, I started diving into that at that age, 30, and I'm now 46 at the time we are now. Um, and went back at 36 to freeze my eggs. So I froze 11 eggs, did the IAVF process at that time on my own. I always said it was kind of like a, um, I had my 401k and I had my eggs frozen and I was like doing my thing <laughs> as you're supposed to be a good citizen. Um, not really knowing what was in store for me. I was very single at that time and whatnot. And it wasn't like a burning yearning desire for me to have babies. It was really just what I thought I should do. And um, fast forward to 38 and a half, I was, that's when it started to click in of like, oh my gosh, here I've been gallivanting, mm -hmm. doing my thing. And now I better shape up if I want to have this happen. Find you still single. So like, what do you really do at that point? And again, a very different conversation now, even, you know, seven years ago for people doing it on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, but I ended up meeting my husband, my current husband at 39 and a half, and it was all very quick. And I remember when we met, I had just started the process of dealing with fibroids. So I didn't know what that was going to mean for my fertility. Um, I knew I was going to have a surgery and pretty much was like, I want to have children. Obviously I'm getting older. This could be a pretty gnarly road to go down. Are you willing to do this? And he was. And luckily after that first surgery, I got pregnant with my first son and I delivered him at 41. Um, I had this idea in my head that the age wasn't really a thing. And that's what I kind of tell people. We have a, a, a joke in my family that I, I don't realize how old I am because at my last baby, I was almost 44. I was going to a fetal medicine doctor um, because I had a severe placenta situation happening. So every week I was going for monitoring and whatnot. And every week you have to put your age, what medication you were on, and if anything had changed from the previous week. So I was very aware of putting my age down every week. And one, one day, two weeks before I was delivering, my husband had his, he was looking over my shoulder and he's like, you're not 42. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not 42. You're not 42. You're 43. And in fact, I was two months away from being 44. Um, so that's how delusional about like absent minded I was from my age. And I think part of that helps because I really wasn't accepting this 
age number, quality of eggs, even though I had gone to a doctor that said you should do egg donation because of my, my age, he didn't even look at my history or anything. And there was something in me that knew that wasn't the right path for us. And I went on to have my third baby, um, second and third, maybe after I saw him, but anyway, so long story short, after my first miscarriage is when I really transitioned my um, 10 year life coaching business at that time to solely focus into fertility. And it happened kind of naturally through people coming to me saying, I'm, I have a friend who's going through IVF. I know that you did this. Can you talk to her and or a miscarriage and whatnot? So here we are since 2017, um, doing this full time now. Did your sister ever end up having kids in one way or another? No, she didn't. Uh, unfortunately, again, the, um, the technology then compared to what it is now is very different. And it was essentially, she's actually the only person, this is quite an attestment to a miracle as, as we believe in our family. Um, she's the only person living on the planet that has survived this type of cancer um, ever. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Pretty crazy. I mean, and, and your life is more important. It's so, okay. So yeah. I love the next thing I want to talk about is your attitude about being older, because mm -hmm. I went through infertility at 20 and had my first baby mm -hmm. at 21. And it just was, I knew it was what I wanted to do. It was no, totally normal. I look at my kids that are 21 and I'm like, please, please don't have a baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I just really think it's your attitude about your age and your desire for what you want. Mm -hmm. And like, it was perfect for me. It was perfect yeah. for me. And I wanted to be a really young mom and be done by the time I was 30. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I when I was younger, that's what I wanted to. I think okay. I had this idea. I think most people do. And I envy the people that have their children younger and have this life after still, you know, because even this morning, I'm like carrying my two-year-old up and down the stairs. I'm like, I am too old to be doing this. <laughs> you know, my body hurts. Um, so there, you know, there's pluses and minuses to both. Yeah, things, I think. But I always say it doesn't matter if you're 21 or 41. If you want a baby, that mm. feeling inside is still the same. And don't mm. let any doctor, anybody discount that for you. Because it doesn't change how you feel inside about that. That uh, true. Knowing, as I say, and I, I love that you brought that up and that I felt the same way at a completely different age. How fantastic is that as yeah. women? You mentioned you had a miscarriage. Was that mm -hmm. before you had your son? Um, no, I was after my first son. Okay. Yeah. So I had this false sense of like, oh, everything is easy and good. And then um, it was happened very um, undramatic, I guess, yeah. as far as, you know, it went to the bathroom, had a very small, you know, the size of a, a quarter nickel red blood and called my doctor at 930 at night. And he, you know, was basically, well, you can come in tomorrow if you want, but you know, just another day at the office for them. And that's what I say, like, it's life changing for us. And for them, it's really, it's just the yeah. way of the world. And unfortunately, um, I, that was my first miscarriage and that really changed my life. And it is, I mean, here's the thing from a logical, um, you know, point of view after the fact, right? 2020, we have 2020 vision now, there's nothing they could do anyway. 
100%. I mean, even if you go in, even if they're super empathetic, even if they hug you and cry with you and the, like there, it does not change anything. There's nothing that yeah. can be done. Yeah. And so I always think, you know, yeah, it is just another day for them. And also, and, and what, and what as a woman do I want? Because there's really nothing that he, that that person can do. And it's yeah. hard to rectify that when you're going through it for sure. Yeah. yeah. You had all natural pregnant, like you just got naturally pregnant. What happened to the frozen eggs? Unfortunately, they didn't make it. Oh, no. I mean, after our second miscarriage is when we realized, okay, let's, let's thaw those eggs and see if maybe we can use them now. And, okay. Um, out of the 11, eight thaw, eight did not make the thaw. I'm sorry. Three did. And then they go through a process of they try to fertilize those three. And then we, it's called to get it to blast, which is the first three days of that cell division. Mm -hmm. And they didn't make it past those three days. So um, again, for anybody who's listening, there yeah. is a very small um, difference now between freezing eggs and freezing embryos. When I was doing it, you were much better off freezing embryos versus freezing eggs because of the thawing process. Uh, an embryo generally thaws better than an egg based on the composition of the two, the sperm and the egg together and what that makes as an embryo versus just the consistency of an egg. Again, it is much better than it was before, but I think there is still a slight difference, maybe like a 5% chance uh, or 5% better chance of an embryo um, thawing versus an egg. How, how crazy that we even have these conversations. I mean, like, no, we're talking about thawing embryos. How crazy, like that's, amazing. It was, so you had your, you were pregnant with your son, had him had two miscarriages. Yeah. Well, okay. had, had one miscarriage, another son and another okay. miscarriage. Uh-huh. So, and then you had your third child. Mm -hmm. Okay. So are we done? A hundred percent. See, I didn't expect that. I thought you were like, well, I don't know. Let's just keep going. Let's no, see. no, no, no. My pregnancy was not easy for me. It okay. really wasn't. It, um, I had the, pre the previous that were pretty stressful. I couldn't pick up the other ones because of that. Um, I don't know if anybody's listening who's not familiar with the placenta previa, but depending on how much you have it, it's essentially like I was told, if you are bleeding, it's a 911 call to the emergency room. You could essentially bleed out because of the amount of blood that's going through um, the, the placenta. So that and just it, it wasn't easy and then therefore the births weren't easy um the last one especially you know lots of blood transfusions and not sure if they're going to be able to save my uterus and all these crazy situation and babies in NICU for my last two and so the whole process was not an easy road to go through so just from an emotional standpoint and for my husband i think him more so than me actually he's you know has quite a bit of PTSD when we're watching something on TV or whatever, he'll tear up. He gets really, you can just physically see, the, um, you know, he gets nervous when he's seeing it for other people, even of, um, being there wondering how that's all going to go down. So no, we're done. Take me through the pregnancies in a little more detail. I want people to hear your story of what that struggle was like. If you had natural childbirth, I'm guessing you had C-sections. I had planned C-sections for yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because of placenta previa, it's all, it's a wise idea. I mean, 
And how hard was that? Was it, did you feel like you were giving something up and not being able to have a natural childbirth? Did you just feel like you were so blessed, period? It, like it didn't matter. Um, and then once you have a C-section and placenta previa and you're more prone to that, you know your chances in subsequent pregnancies. So take us down that road and I want to, and then you can at some point dive into that first miscarriage and how that sh really shifted your coaching business. Because it's interesting. I mean, you've been married and you think before you get married, it's going to be this really huge transition. And I'm not minimizing the transition of living full time with another human being and sharing your life, getting divorced, you know, like the whole thing that is life changing, but it's nothing compared to having a child. Nothing, nothing. compared to having a child and or fertility, right? Not knowing oh, if you can yeah. have a child, right? You know, that's the one thing I say, you've heard of people with getting divorced. You've heard how people deal with maybe the, the big things, buying a house, losing their job, having a death in the family, all of these things. Nobody talks about fertility and or infertility um, and, and or miscarriage. I mean, I believe it's being talked about more, which I'm really happy about because I really believe that having that awareness and education around it helps other people go through it and realize, oh, this is a thing. This is common. And, you know, it's okay. And I will be okay. Um, so I think that whole narrative that's happening now is amazing and so helpful for the people that are going through it now. Um, so I'm sorry, you want to, we were backing up to, yeah, I get you got pregnant. So your husband was on board with this and you got pregnant naturally pretty quickly too. Yes. So I basically, after I healed from my, uh, myomectomy, which is the fibroid surgery, they it was, okay, you're 40 now. You need to try right away. Yep. And of course I was nervous about that because you don't, I don't, again, don't know what's to come. Is this a year long process that it's going to take? Is it going to happen right away? What's what? And literally happened right away. I was traveling for work, um, in a, ho the Westin hotel in Atlanta. And my husband was traveling somewhere at the time too. And I had the three pregnancy tests I did in the hotel bathroom and I'll never forget. I literally got on my knees in the, in the hotel room and thanked God. Like I couldn't believe it. You know, it still brings tears to my eyes to this day because it really felt like such a miracle that to have gone through the surgery and all these things and then like first try and, and that happened. Yeah. Um, so again, I had this very the naive sense of pregnancy the first time, even with the issues of, uh, I was followed by my reproductive endocrinologist, which is the fertility doctor, even though I had him naturally, um, because I had had the fibroid surgery and he, that doctor has the one that helped me through that as well. Um, so I was fortunate that those first 12 weeks I was able to see him develop and everything. And it was really mm -hmm. fun and exciting and all of that good stuff. And then it wasn't until we started to get to the end, um, that previous issues were happening. And then it was mainly actually for the first baby, why we had the C, the plan C section was because I had the fibroid surgery. So they say that the weakness of the uterus, they don't want to put the uterus into labor where it's contracting in the event that in those areas where there were so many um, holes done from the surgery that it would be weak and essentially explode is the word that they use, which sounds really perfect. Strange, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. You want, want an exploding uterus, right? Yeah. <laughs> Avoiding exploding uteruses is important. I feel in life. Yes. Yeah. I mean that that's huge. And that's interesting. You, 
you, they weren't worried about you having a lower chance of being, not that it matters, but because you got pregnant, but they were, they concerned that there was a lower chance or complications because of the holes from where the fibroids were removed because everything's about the uterine wall. No, they weren't. Okay. Awesome. And that's why um, I often say to people who are doing fibroid surgeries or endometriosis, any of those things, you ovarian surgeries, whatever. I went to a, and this is because of the reproductive endocrinologist. I went to a gynecological oncologist who is a doctor that specializes in cancer, mm -hmm. mainly because they have the best technology. You want to make sure okay. that you're not creating more scar tissue in the surgeries that you're having in order to do one thing. And then in fact, you're undoing another situation because of that. So I wasn't concerned about that because I knew they knew what they were doing. Right. Um, I have heard a lot of stories, unfortunately, though, Jen, that have been the opposite of they go in for this, but then it ends up having more issues because of something else. So really find out when you're doing those types of um, gynecological surgeries, what type of technology and tools they're using um, so that you have that awareness that you're getting the best quality that you can. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so that was that part at least is good, but you knew that it was going to be a C-section from the go. There was no, yeah. it wasn't like a, I thought I'm going to have natural surgery. I mean, natural childbirth, and then boom, no. emergency. Okay, so it was no. planned. How did that go? How did the surgery go? The delivery? So, and you kind of asked before. You're, I'm remembering now. I wasn't too, I was just blessed to have this pregnancy. Right. So I wasn't worried about not having a natural childbirth or anything. It was that we kind of skipped all over that. Like, thank God I'm yeah. pregnant. I have a healthy child. Um, so however is the best way to get them out without exploding the uterus. Right. So like the, the vaginal birth isn't, isn't even a consideration. Like, right. Who cares about that? To, and that was how I was thinking. Good. Um, however, the, I, had one sister that had done two home births that went not well at all. I had another sister that had done two C-sections, one that was, wasn't planned. Her first wasn't planned. So she labored and then had her C-section. And then the second one that was planned, she said it was amazing. She would do it again. It was so easy. Her recovery was easy, whatever. So these were my two um, baseline situations to go off of. So I was like, okay, it's going to be easy. It's going to be fine. C-section was not easy for me. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was, um, it was painful during it, you know, during the surgery. In fact, I can like literally remember as I'm talking about it, that moment, exactly. Um, the feeling and all of that. And then after was really hard. My body just did not react to any of the medications. Well, I was having lots of clotting, um, just, it wasn't easy on top of like, I wasn't feeding him. Like we weren't feeding, wasn't going well. Um, there was just a lot of things. It wasn't easy. We, and then once we left the hospital on day four, after the C-section, we had to take him back to a chalk hospital for, um, jaundice because he wasn't eating. Like, so the whole experience of those first two weeks was really, not easy. And then unfortunately I had really severe PTSD with a C-section for my second one. I was in a full-blown panic, anxiety, did not want to do this because I knew what my experience was. Like, why would I want to sign up for this when this is what my experience was? I had changed doctors that second time, not because the other doctor did anything wrong, um, just 
because of location. And I went from a male doctor the first time to a female doctor the second time. And my husband, again, he's watching these surgeries, right? So he's observing. And he said, the second one, the women, they really did finesse it differently. And it was so much better. It was just no pain. It was super easy. The scar was better even. I mean, everything about it was, was way, way different. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's great. It's great because you hear, I mean, there are horror stories on all sides and you said something earlier about how women don't talk about things. And like, it starts when our girls have their period and are embarrassed or buying pads or tampons. Mm -hmm. Like why every female that you see from the age of somewhere around 12 to 15 until their fifties, all does the same thing every single month. Why is there embarrassment or, or any negative feeling about something your body does naturally? And I think it starts there. We don't talk about periods. We don't talk about sex. We don't prepare our kids well enough for lots of situations. We don't talk about pregnancy and miscarriage. And it's, it's so sad because women should be banding together and they don't. So I'm thrilled that you had such a good experience with a female doctor and that I, it makes sense that you have, and you have this baby inside you. It's not like you can go back. Like, actually, I'd like to cancel my order. Like, that's <laughs> got to come out. It's got to come out. And we don't want the yeah. exploding uterus still. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. And I think to your point, I mean, my friends that have teenage daughters, I'm like, these are the conversations you have. Not only is it about the period, but ovulation. Most. Yeah. We, I mean, I was never taught that. What does that even mean? When is like cervical mucus? Are you having yeah. it or is it not? Why is it different? What, you know, all of those things. And everybody thinks their period is normal, but it's most people do not have a normal period. So even that, what is right. that like? Are you having painful periods? There's a reason that it's painful. Something's off with your hormones. So don't just get on the pill to mask that. Let's figure out now so that when you do want to have children, you're ahead of the game to know really what's going on. So I think to your point, everybody's having the same experience and we're just not talking about it. But I think we're, we are starting to talk about it a little yeah. bit more. I agree. Um, but I think e- it needs to even be extended to that. So talking about it and then educating even more about the ovulation and all those other things so that, again, when they're when they're getting to that point of wanting to conceive, they're aware of that. Because what kills me is like you spend so much time feeding your kids organic food, but then when they're 14, you put them on the pill because of their period. Like, okay, well, you're just putting a hormone in there and you've been trying to avoid hormones for all this time. And, you know, what is that going to do to your reproductive system? Cause you're basically shutting it down and saying, we don't want you to function. Right. I, so much we could go on so much. And I love you just totally switched gears into coaching <laughs> completely, totally <laughs> did. So you, you did have the second experience. I mean, you had a miscarriage, you had the second experience. It was better you're not so afraid that you didn't want to keep going because you had another miscarriage and a third baby. Yeah. I had this crazy knowing that I was meant to have three children. Mm. It wasn't about me collecting babies or wanting babies. And I kept trying to tell people this because they, w- I would hear all the, you know, why are you doing this again? You're old, your eggs, <laughs> it's going to keep happening, you know, whatever. And it was this drive. And even my husband was like, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you have that whatever this feeling is that you had, it was about getting these souls together. And, um, for whatever that was, it was way bigger than me. And so it was this 
determination to keep going until I got that. And that's why I was so determined when you asked if I'd have another. It was like, no, because I, uh-huh. I finished whatever that was. I don't know. It was this drive and yearning and wanting for these three to be together. And then as soon as the three were together, it was like, okay, that left me. They're on to the next thing of desire, right. whatever it may be. Um, but uh, there's that's why when people say to me, I've had – I have one, so I should be grateful. I always say one doesn't discount wanting a family or more than one, you know, so don't feel bad about the fact that you want more than one. You know, we we can help you to get there. It's just sometimes people are meant to feel bad about that and feel like, oh, just be grateful that you have one. And it's not that we're not grateful that we have one. It's that we want more than that for our life and for their lives. Yeah, I agree. And one's the hardest, I think. And yeah, I mean, there's and you do have that knowing and let's not discount that because I knew I was I knew some kids were coming before they were like, I just really felt in tune with that. And don't discount that either. Yeah, it's not like you're not grateful for what you have. It does not change the fact that you would you would have something different if you could moving forward. So I love that. And I think uh, on top of having conversations and education, then there's the support piece too, which you do in your coaching. I mean, that word, that's very, let's be very clear about that. But there's a, I think there's a lack of support that women have women, woman to woman in like, oh, you had a miscarriage. I know what that feels like. And I'm here to support you, even though every woman's journey is a little different. Right. Right. And I know that that is part of your coaching and that is why let's jump into that a little bit more. And then I want to talk about having three kids under the age of six at 46. Well, there were three under three. I had them the three within three years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's insane at any age. (laughs) And all boys. So I'm like, okay. Oh, all right. Right now. (laughs) And I'm one of four girls. So I'm like, so out of my element. I, that's the way it's supposed to be. I feel you on that. So jump in. You had the you had the miscarriage. You had the birth experience, and then you had the miscarriage, and you shared a little bit of that. And you were already a coach for a decade. Yeah, so, I was a, a life coach. Okay, for a decade before that, yes. Mm-hmm. What? So what? That triggered something within you. It doesn't sound like it was like a traumatic miscarriage. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. But some of them are much more emotional. Right or physical than others. So jump into that. Yeah, it was not traumatic in that sense where people, you know, if it happens at home or they have the tissue pass with them, that that wasn't the case. Um, I had as a DNC after that miscarriage. And actually, that's where we were in the bed at the clinic to do the DNC. And the there was a sheet between us and the next bed for feet from us, they were doing their first, uh, retrieval that day. So they were so excited and I was so devastated. And, um, that's when I knew like, we need to start showing up in this way to help support people on both sides because I had been through IVF and I knew I genuinely was so excited for this couple, but I also was the, the story that I was writing in my head about this family is now gone. And, you know, putting that, making sense of that was not possible at that time. And I just wanted somebody to tell me it was going to be okay. And I would go on to have other children. And this is, you know, and I didn't have that at the time. And that's why I felt so strongly about moving forward in this way. I had gone to see a therapist that specialized in miscarriage um, because again, I didn't know anybody to call to say, 
how are you doing? How did it feel? Did you have another baby after what was happening? And I'll never forget my husband was parked outside on the curb and I was crying even harder out to see him than I was walking in there because I felt like she didn't, this particular therapist, and I know lots of therapists are different, but had, you know, quite a boundary of not really saying what her story was, right? So I didn't know if she had any children. I didn't know if she had had a miscarriage. I didn't know anything about it. It was more of like, how does that feel? Well, it doesn't feel great. I'm just looking for hope, right? I, that's what I was looking for. I was searching for somebody to understand me, hear me, see me, tell me it was going to be okay and give me some hope. And now that's what we do as coaches is show up for people in that way. And People that are going through early pregnancy after loss have a sense of PTSD that is very real. You're constantly checking every time you go to the bathroom. Is there blood? Is, you know, something feeling weird? It, you're not going through pregnancy the same as somebody who has had a really fine, normal pregnancy with no issues because you're constantly waiting for this shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. So working with a coach or somebody that's able to help you through that process to really find the joy and relax in that those first you know, for some people it's 12 weeks, for some it's 24 weeks. It, it, there's no judgment or time on that. It's everybody's individual, but it is important to seek help during that time, especially if you've had a loss and you're nervous about it. I want to kind of wrap up on the same thread because of your experience, you not only changed your coaching, but you also certify other people to yeah. become coaches. And so for the mamas out there, a lot of whom have experienced one or many or pieces of your story, um, to become a coach, what does that look like? Because I, I actually have your information up, but I'd love to, I'd love yeah. to hear it from you. Yeah, I again, I'm the way that I see it is just a ripple effect. There's one in eight in, in America that's suffering from infertility, one in six in Canada, and the worldwide, you know, worldwide, we're on a six year decline of fertility. Mm -hmm. I really believe that we just need emotional support going through this and emotional support, but also curated support. So everybody is a genius at their own experience, right? So somebody can say, I have PCOS. And so I know that inside and out, and I can help the next person on that, which is amazing. But when you go through a coaching process, you are able to learn a broader view of how to help and serve and support people that are going through any sort of fertility and, or if they're just trying to get pregnant naturally. I always say my ideal client is someone six months before they're trying to conceive because we can get them primed up. We can get their body ready to go and kind of see what might be the red flags to get ahead of before they have to say, oh, I'm having this issue or that issue mm -hmm. or whatnot. So helping people to coach others is such a passion of mine because people need help. It's like I said before, earlier in the show, this is not something that we are prepared for in our life. You know, mm -hmm. it's nobody talks about this. Nobody says, oh, I struggled with this. We're only just at the first next generation of people going through IVF and egg donation and all of these things. So there really isn't the, the people before us, our mothers, grandmothers, and whatever that can say, you know, we've gone through this, let me help you. So being able to, even if you've had all your children naturally super easy, that is such a gift to be able to help somebody else to encourage them through the process. And again, through miscarriage loss and or late loss or uh, even 
you know, stillborn, all of those things. There's a place for support for so many people. And it is happening, unfortunately, more than we know. I always say, like, if you're in line at Starbucks, take a look at who's there and just count the numbers. And you can do the math to say how many people there, men and women that are suffering through some sort of either loss or infertility at that time. And the more that we talk about it, the more that we help others, the more that they can get through it easier, faster, more successfully. And then the next people feel like they're not alone because they're going to say, oh, I heard somebody who went through this and they can help you. And, you know, they don't feel like it's such a weight of the world on their shoulders. Elizabeth, thank you for sharing like your coaching and how to become a coach. So vital for the people out there that have that experience that want to give back. But thank you so much for sharing three kids in three years, five pregnancies. Yeah. In three years. Yeah. Over the age of 40. Holy cow. I, I am, I feel tremendously blessed to have learned your story. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.